them, um, you can either put in like a check and put like Jacob as the memo or something like that, or um, or you can get with him as you could either do that or get with him to which you can sew into him. So, <coughs> yay, yay, yay. Um, cool. Well, I um, I kind of feel like it's interesting. Like I'm, you can ask my wife. Like I'm very adventurous, spontaneous and just fly by the seat of my pants. But I feel like God has been, like, on this, for the past five or six months, I feel like I've just been super calculated, like, and not maybe in lifestyle, but in, uh, (laughs) because I still can be spontaneous and crazy. But but I feel like I have such, um, like, I get one verse, and, and I get one theme, and it's just on my heart. Like, and I can't shake it. And I feel like, like, I just am saying the same thing over and over again in different ways. But it's what God's doing in me and establishing me. And, and it all kind of, maybe it's all different, but it all feels like the same thing. And so, like, I'll just, I feel like I'm repeating myself all the time. But I feel like it just keeps going in, like, a different level. And uh, hopefully you... <laughs> Hopefully people don't get tired of it, but it reminds me of, uh, there's this like, uh, we knew this uh, guy who was like the oldest, uh, he was a part of the Zusa Street Revival, and uh, his name was Bishop Otis Clark, and he was like the oldest traveling evangelist, he was like 104 or something, but he's 104, he could still walk on no pain meds, but he'd always like, he would... We, we, had, we had some friends, and, and so we kind of knew him, and, and you'd get around him, and he'd always say the same thing. Like, he'd be like, and he was this, like, old, amazing African-American man, and he's just like, the fullness of the, or how did he say it? He's like, if you were on God's side, you was on the winning side. If you was on the devil, you, if you was on the devil's side, you were on the losing side. You need to get up back on on God's side. <laughs> And then he'd be like, oh, yes, oh, yes. <laughs> and then it'd be like two minutes later, he'd be like, if you own God's side, he's on the winning side. And then he'd be like, he's like, uh, and then he would say some verse that I can't remember, but he's like, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it. And then he'd just start like just saying like, and then he'd like get back on this track and then he would say like, like it's like he had this playlist, you know. I kind of feel like him without the voice and the cool voice, but... <laughs> <laughs> some things you just can't have. So, um, but anyways, um, last week I talked about um, family, and, and I talked about how the family in the presence are such what I feel like so dynamic, and what actually brings about the kingdom. I think I've seen uh, a group of people who do family really well in community, but yet sometimes there's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, flowing from that and then I've seen I've seen the the presence but yet people who maybe not do community and family as well and it kind of looks reckless and and when I was at Bethel I just feel like I saw these two core values that were so beautiful and I feel like are so deeply valuable in my heart and my life and it's his presence and so I want to talk about his presence but I wanted to talk about it through the lens of, of righteousness because I think to remain and to stay in his presence is all about righteousness. 
And if you realize righteousness is right standing with God. So if you realize your righteousness and your standing with God, you will realize you have access to him at all times. And so what's so beautiful about this is that if you have access to him at all times, his presence changes everything. And, and sometimes life can seem crazy and wild, but if you're connected to his presence, everything's okay. And, um, you know, you ever have a bad day? And, and maybe, maybe you have a bad day and nothing really that bad happens, but you're just your perspective's off. That ever happened to you guys? And then another time, you can have a bad day, but your perspective can be good, and your day's still good. And so I think righteousness, if we get a hold of righteousness, it's, it's a standing and it's a placement of God. And I believe if we can realize where we're seated with him in heavenly places, that no matter what we're going through, our perspective can be we have access to him. And if we have access to him and we have access to peace and joy, then we're all good, right? Like just a couple of weeks ago, like poop was pouring out in my, in my properties and, and literally like, like literal poop is like the city's sewage backed up into all my properties. And, and it was terrible, but I was so intoxicated on the presence. <laughs> so I realized that honestly, like for us, that's like, might be like, oh no, that's not good. But you look at the life of Paul and you look at all these people and you read the book of the martyrs and all this stuff. And you're like, how the heck did they get beaten and stoned and then they get raised from the dead and they go and do the same thing? They go preach the gospel, the very thing that just got them beaten and stoned. Like that's another level, you know what I mean? Like that's a supernatural life. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to live a supernatural life, not just in the way of praying for people and seeing crazy things, but can I be full of Jesus all the time, no matter what anyone's doing with me? Can I look like him when people curse me? Can I exude his love when people say bad things about me? Can I be at rest and at peace no matter what's going on? It's a different world. It's a different reality. And I believe it looks like how the heck do you live that way? But when you understand righteousness, you realize that it has nothing to do with getting into some spiritual calisthenics to where, you know, something bad happens in life. Like, I don't know, maybe crap flows into your house and you start going, oh, Jesus, I just remember that you know, the Bible and the Bible, it says, and, 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 and I, I know that you have peace and I know, I know, ah! you know what I mean? You start to freak out, right? Like it's not good to find peace when you don't find peace when you're in the midst of the storm, you carry peace. And then when you're in the storm, you have peace. Like you don't find Jesus in the storm. You live Jesus. And then the storm happens and you're still living Jesus. Yeah. And so this is not even in my notes. And so I wanted to read uh, Hebrews 10, I, 19. I know I read this before, but, or 10, 9, or is it 19? 19. I want to read it, and, and I know I've read this verse like a zillion times, but I believe it is such a good verse. 
And, and I've been thinking and meditating on this verse and what it looks like. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Hebrews 10, 19. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. Oh, I love this verse. Like, if I was, if I was Bishop Otis Clark, I would totally just say this verse over and over and again. Um, but... It's so good because we have to understand, like I said this last week, we have to understand a lot of times the things that we do in our Christianity isn't for us or isn't for God, it's for us. Like sometimes we get, I said this last week and it cracked me up, um, but Jesus is not backstage or the Holy, Jesus in the in backstage giving the Holy Ghost a massage like, all right, you're going to come into the room after the second song, right? Like he's not warming him up so that he can show up and give us the goosebumps and minister to our hearts. That's not what's going on. Jesus is, I promise you, the Holy Spirit is supercharged right now. He is always ready. He's always, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He is Mr. Energizer Bunny who's ready to go. And he is in love with the Father. He's in love with Jesus. And so what I love about that is sometimes we think we need to, you know, like we think, well, as we come in, we're going to worship. We're going to get two songs in. And then we start to feel God. And then we're like, yes, Lord. And we start to open up, right? But you understand what you're doing right there is you're building your faith to step in to the presence of God. But what I want to say is, what if we lived in a place that we knew what he did, that he tore the veil open, and that we always have fresh access to the holies of holies? What if we realize that, that there's no place of reading our Bible and worshiping a couple songs to where we can finally feel like we can step into that place. And, and when I say that, you got to understand, I'm not against reading our Bibles. I'm not against worship. But what I am saying is sometimes we are taking these, like, like in the Old Testament, you had these certain things that you had to do in order to go into the outer courts and all of those things. And, and actually, only one person was allowed to go into the inner, into the holies of holies, the priest, one time a year. I said this last week, I think. And, and if he wasn't in right standing and hadn't taken care of and done all the rituals, if he walked into that place, he would die and they would drag him out and put in a new man, right? And so that's crazy. Uh, but I don't want to go into all of that. But what I do want to go into is this. In the Old Testament, they had all of these rituals and these things that they did that were commanded of them to do to step into the temple of the Lord. And as we talked about last week, we are the temple of the Lord, yeah? And so with that, sometimes I believe, you know, Jesus came to destroy 
the law in the sense of us trying to fulfill it. He fulfilled the law. And because he fulfilled the law, this gave us access to him so that we didn't have to do the law to get to Jesus, to get to the Father. And because he fulfilled the law, we have fresh access to him. And therefore, we don't have to do, you know, we don't follow all of these rituals and these things because Jesus has given us access to them. But I do believe we might not be filling fulfilling Moses's law, but I believe sometimes we have our own conditions and our own standards that we set before the Lord, which we say, if I don't do this, you know, I haven't spent any time today with the Lord. Well, he feels distant to me. Okay, well, did you just create a law in your own heart, which has separated you from God saying, I must spend this amount of time with him in order to be in his presence? Do you realize that you might not be fulfilling this law, but you might be fulfilling your own law, which Jesus came to destroy? Because it's not about how much you do if you fast or if you pray or you speak in tongues. We do all of these things. I love them. You hear what I'm saying, right? But what I'm saying, when we put stipulations on these things in which we think those things give us access to him, we have just built a wall between us. But if we realize we have fresh access to him because of what he has done, and it's no longer about us working these spiritual calisthenics to get into a place with him, we will come together and we will all be of faith in one mind and in expectation of what he wants to do in this house and in our life. And when we wake up in the morning, we don't have to say, oh, yeah, Tay, I, I need to go over this. And we go over all these things in our mind. And, and, and I had this thing where it's like when I woke up for a long time, I needed to do something in order to feel productive. But so often what that came from was I'm defining my worth and my value from the things that I'm doing. And if I can't just wake up and be instantly in his presence, then there's something wrong with that. Do you understand what I'm saying? If, if, if we make it about anything else, we will not realize, we'll become self-righteous and it will become what we do in order to appease him so that he's pleased with us so that we can be with him. You can't do anything to be with him. You can only simply receive what he's done which gives you access to all of him. All of him. You realize Jesus isn't withholding anything from you? That he actually says that everything that I have is yours? Where's the disconnect in that? I believe it's this. It's us. I believe we're all, every breakthrough you need is all about a process of getting into faith and believing. And so often we can be like, oh, I need to get in faith and I need to believe. Oh, I need to do this and this and this and this and this. No. You just need to discover his nature. You need to discover who he is. Because faith comes from love. So the more that I'm intimate with him, the more my faith grows, the more that I can believe him for what he wants to do. Everything that Jesus wants to do in your life all comes from relationship. Everything he wants to do in your life, every transformation comes from relationship. 
And you see it in, the, in, 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 in Egypt. Jesus was, God was trying to teach the Israelites who he was in his nature so that they could discover him. And it says that the Israelites knew the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. What does that mean? The Israelites knew the hand of God, but it never led them to the heart of God. Therefore, every time God had to keep doing more and more miracles because they didn't get to know his nature. And I believe if we can get to know his nature, what he's like in intimacy, I believe we will trust him for things that we've never seen or even have a grid for because we know him. We know his heart. We know who he is. We know what he's like, that he's a good, 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 good father. And so what I love, when Jesus came to the earth, you see him and he's like so frustrated with the Pharisees, right? Like, <laughs> like he just always rips them one, you know? But, but you have to see why he was doing that and what his intentions were. Because the Pharisees had built this system of works in which they tried to get to God. And Jesus came to destroy those works because it's all about him coming to us. He's the pursuer. I don't know if you guys knew that. He's the one who's the pursuer. We talked about the Tower of Babel the other day and how people were trying to build this tower to God. Jesus, God came and confused them, and he says, no, it can't be about you trying to get to me. It's about me coming to you. And then he reconciled the Tower of Babel through Pentecost, which was God coming to man, God dying for man, and God filling him with his spirit, and everybody uni being unified over what Jesus did, not about what we can do. And so what, is, what, is, what, is God, what does Jesus do when he comes to the earth? He, he comes and he says, it no longer can be about your works. It can no longer be about these things. And so you read about Jesus, and, you know, Jesus... That a lot of people say, oh, Jesus had a bad day. And it talks about in, in Scripture how Jesus is walking and he sees a fig tree and he curses the fig tree because it's not producing fruit. And everyone's like, oh, Jesus is having a bad day. You know, like, curse your tree, you know. <laughs> that's like something we would do. And we're like, yeah, that's probably what God was doing, you know. <laughs> um, and, so, and so why did he curse a fig tree? And then right after he curses the fig tree, he goes into the temple and he flips over all the money changers. What is Jesus doing? Is he just mad? Is he angry? What is the point of all this? And, and, and the fig tree is, is what I believe represents self-righteousness because what did Adam and Eve hide with when they were in the garden? Fig leaves, right? So they tried to cover themselves with what they could do whoa, do, and they tried to cover their nakedness and tried to, um, to hide and, and get all these, I don't know where I'm going with this, <laughs> they tried to get all these fig leaves on them so that they could hide their sin, and it was what they could do in order to cover themselves, but Jesus, instead, God comes and he clothes them, right? He's always trying to clothe us, and it was God, I believe, in that moment, it says that he killed an animal. It was probably a lamb representing the lamb of God. So 
God covers them in, the, in Jesus, if you will, so that they can stand before the Father. But if we try and go and do things and works to try and put on our works so that we can enter and be in God's presence, how many of you guys know that self-righteousness and those fig leaves will start to shrivel and you will find yourself naked and ashamed? And so Jesus is cursing the fig tree, saying, I'm cursing self-righteousness. This junk has got to go. And then right after that, Jesus goes into the temple courts, and he throws over the money changers, and specifically he goes to the pigeon table. I guess he didn't like birds. He doesn't like fig trees, and he doesn't like birds. So... <laughs> Uh, and so he, he throws them over, the table's over, and, and Jesus, it says that his zeal consumed him for his house. What is his house? It's what we talked about. It's us. It's him. It's, we're his temple. And so he throws over the doves, well, the, the pigeons, and that's actually the poor people would go to buy those pigeons so that they could offer it up for their sacrifices. So they're trying to buy righteousness for their standing with God, right? So Jesus isn't just having a grumpy, bad day. Jesus is saying, I must destroy self-righteousness because if you live in self-righteousness, you will never feel good enough because you can't work your way towards me. I can only come to you and it can only, the only way you can receive me is if you receive what I have done for you with my body has been torn and my flesh has been broken to give you fresh access to me unhindered. So it's amazing. It's beautiful because it's all about his presence. It's all about us realizing that we have so much access to him. And so... I used to always, you ever get, feel, condemn yourself sometimes, like, you're like, ah, oh, I can't, like, you feel distant from God, and then you get in this, like, ah, oh, I feel distant from God, ah, oh, I feel distant from God, and then you're like, you tell yourself that you feel so distant from God, and then you feel even more distant from God, right? And you're like, oh, why can't I just, like, you just don't have this desire, and it's not within you, and, and, and so I used to get in this trap of doing that sometimes. And, and, and then I would, like, try and be like, all right, I need to do this and that, and then I'll get myself in, back in the place. And, and, and he says, who loved you first? Was it you? No. It was me. Okay, so I loved you first, and because I love you first, you love me because you experienced my love. Sometimes I think we become Christians, and then we think we arrived and now we need to work for God. When in reality, it's all about his love towards us. You realize your passion from God is his desire within you. So what he taught me to do is sometimes, instead of getting into this condemnation mode of, oh, I just can't feel God, what I would do is I would, he taught me, hey, ask, ask the Holy Spirit what he thinks about me. Holy Spirit, what do you think about? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't even know if I can finish that question. <laughs> oh, Jesus, thank you. Let's just all ask him that. Holy Spirit, what do you... 
<laughs> oh, Jesus, you set me up on that one. Let's just all ask him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Holy Spirit, what do you think about Jesus? <laughs> he'd say, Holy Spirit, what do you think about the Father? (laughs) Do you realize that the Holy Spirit is so obsessed with Jesus and the Father? And do you realize the Holy Spirit lives within you? So do you realize because he's always on and because he's never has a bad day and he's always obsessed with the Father, (laughs) you can always be obsessed with the Father because it's not about your desire for him, it's about his desire for you and the desire that is in you for him has come from him. So the more you discover his love for you, the more you discover your love for him. Isn't that kind of crazy? I love it because I've been really trying to practice this um, because recently we've been, I've been slammed with working on rental properties and um, like, I just don't like painting a lot of times and, and I'm introverted. And so um, alone time is good, but I can also be, no, I am introverted. I know you think I'm saying it wrong. I, I, I like to be around people, but I get refueled. If I don't have my alone time and then I'm around people, like, this doesn't, like, I don't do well. But if I have my alone time, then I'm around people, it's awesome and I love it. But, but working at a property by yourself for 12 hours a day, multiple days a week, is just, like, a lot. <laughs> and, and, and so... I would just get to where I was like, oh, I just like getting like bogged down by just like being in a house and cooped up by myself. And, and anyway, so I would like find myself like listening to podcasts and worship music and that was great. But then after a while I'd start to play a podcast and I almost feel like this, just this like unsettledness and I'm like, and so, um, and so this is, like, I've been learning and, and really been practicing his presence. And, and, and I'm realizing to practice his presence, we have to be present. And, and sometimes, you know, podcasts and worship is good. But if I'm only hanging out with my wife and we watch only a movie together, like, like a movie's great sometimes, but... If we're honest, that's not like connection time, right? And sometimes I think we're like, oh, I need to listen to like, like you realize you can listen to Christian music all day and still not be connected with God. It's kind of crazy. You could listen to a podcast about God all day and not be connected. But when you're present with the Father in his presence, there's no other connection like that. And so I just started practicing that, and I would just, like, be painting in, like, I mean, 12 hours, like, of just, 
Jesus, help me. But all of a sudden, I got to this place where, where I would just focus on his presence and not even, when I say focus, I don't even know if it's focusing because it wasn't, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, I, I yeah, that <laughs> intention. Like, it's, uh, I would just like almost see like, you know, it says like abide in me and I abide in you. Like there's this place of abiding where, where it's not even a focus, but it's like, I just think about you or not even think. It's like your spirit is, you can't describe it, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about, but your spirit is so connected with him and, and you're not saying a thing. You're not even thinking a thing, but you're just present in his presence. And so I would just practice that and, and not even practice, but I was just kind of doing it. And, and like hours would go by and I'm not even really thinking a thought or, or even, um, even thinking a thought or even like my mind's not even, it's just like I'm present. I don't know how to describe it, which is saying something for me because you know, I can have a very ADD personality in some ways. And so, but I believe so often, like, like I remember before, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail, but I remember like I'd get home and I'd be tired and I'd be like, oh, I just want to do something to zone out. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you like watch Netflix or you do something that's so mindless and I think so often we connect with God in our mind that we think that it feels like work. But if we connect with him in our spirit, there's a place where it's not work, but it's just abiding in his presence. And it's actually what our soul and our heart wants. You know what I mean? And, and it's a, such a restful place. And so I say all of that because I believe his presence is everything. I believe his presence transforms our lives. And I believe when we learn to host his presence, we will change. We'll just change things without even trying. And, and I, remember, I remember one time, you know, I've gotten to pray for a lot of people and, 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 and all of that stuff, and, and I love that. Um, but there's been only a, a couple times that I've actually, I believe it's the favor in Psalms four. I've been obsessed with this verse. It talks about the favor of his face. And, and I believe what has really been transforming my life is I can feel the Lord's pleasure over my life. And I think, and, and, and that's almost his presence, like, like I can feel his smile over me. And, and, and I remember one time I was ministering right out of college, or right, right out of high school, and, and I was with a group of guys, and, um, and we were doing this Bible study, and a lot of these guys didn't really know Jesus. They just showed up because there were other girls there, and it was just to hang out or whatever. And I was supposed to get up and speak to these guys who really don't even know Jesus very well or maybe a couple of them did. Um, and so I'm going to get up there, and I just felt like God said, hey, I just want you to just to look at my face, and, and don't get distracted from my face. 
And so I start sharing, and I just feel and see Jesus just smiling at me. And so I'm, I'm going to pray this in, and I'm just praying, and I'm saying the same words over and over, like, and I look like a drunken mess, like, you're amazing, like, just, I look like a big cheese ball up there, like, and so I'm just saying this, and, and these guys who have no context for God, his presence, anything, one of them's, like, kind of, like, like, laughing, you know what I mean, and kind of making fun of me, and, like, with his buddy or whatever, I kind of see it in the corner of my eyes, and then I remember when Jesus saw me, and I see his face, and I'm getting even more wrecked, and then it's just a downward spiral, but a very good one, and so I'm just saying this, and, and then I'm like, and then I was like, okay, I just want to pray for God's presence to fill this room. And I can't remember if it was in that same moment or if it was afterwards, but I pray, and this guy who was like making fun of me, all of a sudden he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. then he starts to freak out, and he's like, he's like, like <laughs> and he's like freaking out, he's like, what, what is going on, or whatever, and he's like starting to feel the presence of God, and he freaks out. And he, like, starts to, like, go outside, and then we, I, like, go out there, and we start talking to him. He's like, you know, I've done drugs. I've, I've, I've gotten drunk. I've done all this stuff, but I've never felt this. And he's, like, a mess now. <laughs> like, ha-ha. So, but, but I share that because his presence is everything. And, and I believe his presence makes us crazy. <laughs> I believe his presence gives us a boldness like never before to be all that God has called us to be and actually to be transformed. I believe it's his presence that transforms lives. And, and, and the way that I see it play out is you look at, how many of you guys know Saul in the Bible, who the king, King Saul? He was this maniac man right who had this he was king David was anointed to be king David had God's favor on his life and even though King Saul actually was chosen by God to be king he was this jealous wreck who had this who wanted to kill David and it didn't start out like that but I don't want to go into the whole story so anyways King Saul goes on this mission to go kill David and so in doing so, he finds out David is in a nearby town, truth or consequences, and, uh, <laughs> and so he sends a group of men out there to go seize him, and as he sends them out, his men are going along, and they're walking, and they're getting close, and all of a sudden, it said that there was, the Spirit of the Lord was there, and all of them stop, and they start prophesying which is just crazy <laughs> because these guys are walking to go kill David. They have, you know, they're like on a mission and all of a sudden the presence of the Lord comes there and they're like, and they start proclaiming the wondrous works of God. Like, could you imagine this? Like they're just marching and all of a sudden like they get in, they step into the presence like, great is thou faithfulness. You know, like they just start proclaiming the good news and, and, and King Saul, word gets back to him. He's like, what the heck? So he sends out another group. And then they walk, and then they're like, I can't even think of any verses now. <laughs> but he's, they just start proclaiming all these scriptures, and they're prophesying and all this stuff. And King Saul's like, what the heck? Sends another group. Boom, happens again. Then finally King Saul says, I'm going to go. He goes, and he starts prophesying this murderous man who's jealous 
who has anger, who has demons in his heart, all of a sudden he steps into another realm and all of a sudden he's changed. It actually says he was changed into another man. But how many of you guys know that back then the Holy Spirit could only come upon you. It couldn't reside in you. They had a... Uh, going to say something that I heard someone say, but then I forgot it. So um, they had a uh, visitational relationship or visitational. The Holy Spirit could visit them, but it wasn't habitational. And so therefore the Holy Spirit could come on them, but it couldn't come inside of them. So as soon as Saul stepped out of the presence, all of a sudden he's got the demons and he's this maniac man. And so what I feel like a New Testament version of Saul is Saul in the Bible. Saul was a murderous man who killed Christians. Yeah? What happened to him when he got hit by the presence of God? He turned into Paul, who's one of the most, I mean, come on, look at the life of Paul. So what happens when we become a people of his presence? It changes everything. Because guess what? Our job becomes so easy. Like what I love, you know, like how you don't have to ever, they talk about burnout and they talk about all these things. Like you only can burn out if you're working on, if you're only doing it on your own strength. Everything comes from him. Everything flows from him. And so what's so amazing about that is I can be frustrated because all this stuff is going on, but all of a sudden, if I realize that my Father is God and that He lives inside of me and I have His presence and the, and the Holy Spirit is joy, peace, everything that I need, all of a sudden, guess what? I can realize if I'm not in those things that I can just repent and go right back into them. Do you realize you can change... <laughs> We, we, we shouldn't be bipolar Christians, but we can be bipolar if we get out of. <laughs> Let me describe this before you think. You can, listen, if you're having a bad day, it's crazy. Like, I've been doing this recently. <laughs> this sounds bad. But I've been frustrated. And then I'm like, wait, I can't be frustrated. I, peace is mine. That's my inheritance. All of a sudden, I step into peace. Now I'm just, whoa, peace and joy is there. I feel great. But so often we're like, oh, I don't have peace. I don't have joy. I need to do my spiritual calisthenics to get into the place of where I can be peaceful and joyful. Well, who's all that about? That's all about you. It's all about him. It's about his righteousness. And it's his righteousness that keeps us in his presence. Always. If you don't have peace, if you don't have joy, guess what? Step into it. <laughs> well, what do I need to do? What do I need? Just believe. My favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is it says, this is the work of God that you believe in the one whom he sent. Everything that you need to do is all about believing. And so anything you feel like you don't have, guess what? Jesus wants to give it to you and you don't have to work for it. And so what's so amazing about that is, is 
I love, you know, in the world there's agendas, there's atmospheres, there's all these things going on. Do we realize that we, like Alan talked about, that heaven, we have complete access to heaven? Do you realize, like, what I love about that is that right now there's angels in this room. Like, the Holy Spirit is here. Heaven is here. Why? Because we're seated in heavenly places. You want to know why that's so fun? You don't have to try and work and create an atmosphere. You don't have to step in and say, oh, there's this dark, swirly, whirly stuff. Guess what? You're in heavenly places. So all you have to do is step in to heaven and partner from that place with God. I'm saying all this stuff because it's really good news. <laughs> because it's no longer about you working for God. It's no longer about you changing your work by praying. And, and I believe in praying. You got to hear what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you step into a place of believing what Jesus has done, you realize that that's all he's trying to, the process is all about getting you into belief. And if you can believe in what Jesus has done and what he's established for you through what the cross and his righteousness that he has imputed to you, you will realize because you're in right standing with God that you have access to everything that he has. And because of that, we can stay and remain in the presence of God at all times, everywhere we go. And it's not because we're some good, awesome Christian and we do good, awesome stuff. It's because we have this man who has done everything for us. And all we have to do is steward. We're stewards of what he has given us. We're not working for what God does. We're stewards. So everything he gives me, if I am in peace, guess what? If I, if I have his peace, then all I have to do is steward his peace. And that's a partnership with him who's giving me the peace. And if I step out of that peace, guess what? All I have to do is step into my inheritance. And my inheritance is the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, so I have access to peace. All of a sudden, I'm back in that place. Now I get to steward again. That's so much more fun. <laughs> Is this making sense? Good. I don't know if I have anything else to say. But I believe I believe that's that's the gospel in in what Paul and Silas Am I getting it right? In the jail cell, Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, yeah. Think about it. They're getting beaten for not doing anything wrong. They're thrown in jail. They're in jail. And how many of you guys know there wasn't Jacob and Jayla playing heavenly worship music? <laughs> You're worthy of it all. You know, there wasn't fog machine. Like, <laughs> it was cold. They were beaten. They were bloody. There was nothing that looked good in that whole situation or circumstance. 
And I guarantee you, Paul didn't go to Silas and say, come on, bud, we just need to worship a little bit. Come on. I bet you from the inner parts of them, worship just, and they just let out everything within them that came from him, and they just worship Jesus. And from that place, heaven came, and all the jail cells were flung open. Now, I bet you those jailers, they encountered that presence that Saul encountered. And in a moment, they were transformed into another person. They came in as prisoners, and they left as, as, as freedom people. <laughs> what a, I was thinking of something more inspiring to say but but they came out they were captive and all of a sudden they came out and they were free why because heaven came to earth why because heaven was in Paul and Silas why because they realized their position with the father and it doesn't matter what you're going through where you're at where you find yourself at he has a place for you and it's seated in heavenly places where you have complete access to the Father and you don't have to work from it, but you get to walk from it and believe from it and do from it. So you're a child of God everywhere you go and you look just like your Father. And I am so thankful that He's done that for us. And so I want to pray for us. I want to pray that Hebrews 10, that we realize we have fresh access to him right now. So I'm going to pray. If you could put your hand on your heart. Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you right now that there's an access we have to you that is absolutely ridiculous. And I pray right now that you would Put faith in our heart to believe what you've done. And I pray that we would live from that place and abide in that place every day of our life. And Father, I pray that you would destroy any self-righteousness, any working for you that is in our hearts. And I pray that, that we, we would just see heaven come to earth everywhere we go. Because you're inside of us, and it's because it's our inheritance. So we bless you, we love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name.